0: Greetings,
1: heroes of the internet, I'm Nathan, I'm Tommy, and this is Henshin Man, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying
0: and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we'll be discussing the Kamen Rider manga by Shotaro Ishinomori.
1: The original run of the legendary Kamen Rider manga, now in English, has a special 50th anniversary omnibus. Fans the world over have long been enthralled by the tales of Kamen Rider, the masked motorcycle riding superhero who protects the world from injustice, kidnapped and experimented upon by the evil terrorist organization known as Shocker, Hongo Takeshi, manages to escape their clutches and use his newfound strength to fight against their schemes. These are the first adventures and a legacy that spans dozens of television series and films drawn and written by series creator and manga superstar Sotaro Shinomori. Commemorating the 50th anniversary of this classic 1971 publication, this collection is the first hardcover edition of Kamen Rider in English. It features the original Kamen Rider manga series plus special bonus materials and full-color inserts. and no heroes of the internet i didn't write that myself i stole that from the back cover copy <laughs> I, I have to make sure i say that because i don't want to be accused of teenagers
0: <laughs> yeah no i was glad to see they released this as one big book so i don't have to have that intimidating like okay this is the volume one i can track down and i don't know if i'll ever find the others
1: I know, I know, I know. Yeah, but uh, but welcome back, Tommy. Thank you.
0: Actually, yes,
1: yes. Yeah, you, you've been on the show proper. You were on to talk about the first couple episodes of Common Writer Black, and then hilariously, right after we <laughs> we recorded that episode, and it was about to be published. We get the announcement that Disco Tech is releasing the entire show, <laughs> and we were saying in the episode, "Hey, somebody release this for us, please."
0: <laughs> We willed it into existence. Still need to buy my copy of that because I know once it's gone, it's going to be hard to find. Oh, uh it is one of the best
1: English language releases of Tokusatsu I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's top five. It really is top okay. five. And now, Common Writer Black RX is coming later next month. So exciting times, exciting times. So welcome back. Just wanted to say that. And it's serendipitous because your primary podcast giant size violence which was originally started for ultra mega Mm -hmm. is you're kind of rebranding and shifting it a little bit to be about
0: yeah uh, toku comics i am shifting the subtitle from an ultra mega podcast to a toku comics podcast because Mm -hmm. it's been two years and we haven't heard any more about when ultra mega is coming back i think it Mm -hmm. will someday because it was very successful and i i here are the guys working on it but yeah no there's plenty other good toku related comics out there i mean i've even interviewed some of the other big toku Mm -hmm. writers that are writing like common rider and power rangers and stuff now Mm -hmm. so yeah i think my focus going forward is going to be comics and manga related to tokusatsu in general and i'll certainly cover ultra mega again if it ever hits the shelves but oh yeah
1: yeah. i'm actually looking forward to that i'd like to read i'd like to read some more of that Mm. it 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 left off at a very interesting Mm -hmm. point but Create creator own comics from Image. A lot of times, from what I understand, this kind of stuff happens. It will not just be strictly monthly unless you're... Oh, dang it, I can't remember his name. The guy who runs Savage Dragon. Oh, Eric Larson. And just
0: Eric Larson, yeah, he just won't stop. Whatever he wants. <laughs> and sometimes what he wants is porn. I found out from recent <laughs> issues.
1: Oh, my gosh. But anyway, but anyway. So... We're here to talk about this. Mongo's originally going to be two episodes, but I have to shuffle some things around so we're going to do it all mm. in one episode, man. We'll see what we we'll see how this goes. So this is going to be a little bit new for me. We've been doing some comic book coverage, Michael and I on the power trip, but something this huge, mm. man. <laughs> this is going to be a little bit of a challenge because this is a 900-page tome. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like I started reading this a year and a half in an entire gender ago. <laughs> <laughs> You have
1: changed with the comics. Yeah,
0: no. I mean, much like Common Writer, I'm more powerful than I was before. I've got a new name. Uh, I wear a lot more green now, and like a new wardrobe. I'm a lot. I'm much more worried about Nazis now than I was before. Also, Common Writer,
1: because uh, let's be honest, Shocker is basically Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I feel like that should be that should be their subtitle. We are Shocker, basically Nazis. <laughs>
0: And on that note, while I also will be undergoing medical enhancements to make me better and cooler looking, (laughs) mind control and Nazi scientists have nothing to do with it. I know there's a lot of people that would want you to think otherwise, but I I will only be fighting them. I was not created or influenced by Nazi mind control scientists in any way.
1: (laughs) Just for clarification, in case anyone was wondering, (laughs) the analogy stops somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> the analogy stop somewhere. So like I said, got a lot to to get into. I will admit your reread of this is a bit more recent than mm-hmm. mine. I actually finished this a while ago. I was thinking at one point I was going to cover this with Travis, my re- my normal regular co-host. Just schedules just didn't quite work out. so, I'm bringing on another comic yeah. expert to, to help me. With for this. for your viewers. One. This
0: will be handy because I have watched almost none of the original *Common* writer, but I've, oh, that'll be interesting. I've listened to your, a lot of your show. I've watched Blue Nova's videos on the series, so I kind—I I get it. But I just don't have time mm-hmm. to watch 98 episodes of an old Japanese show.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got. The, the, I made notes referencing words because this is this is very different but well not very different it's different but it's also extremely similar that's why I didn't write a whole synopsis I just read the back of this because if you've been listening to the show or you've watched the original television series you know what's happening in this you know there's nothing new really to bring up here other than some very big divergences Mm -hmm. here now some this was published and translated I should say by Seven Seas Entertainment I will admit I don't know a whole lot about them other than they have released this and the Go Ranger manga, which I've also read, and it's pretty good. And the, this comic, if I remember correctly, I think the comic started before the show, but they were pretty close together, and then they were produced at about the same time. So there is some overlap between the show and the manga but then there's also some very key differences some of it having to do with the limitations of special effects and the show's budget or honestly i'm just guessing differences in sensibilities because the manga goes places (laughs) that the show didn't quite do i'll rant
0: about it at length as we get to the end of the book but i was curious like if this series either got canceled or was like mandated to wrap up towards the end because like the last chapter, especially like the last 15 pages or so, it's like they they crammed like a couple arcs worth of things or a couple arcs mm-hmm. worth of story points in there.
1: I'm not entirely sure that that would be something I can either ask Travis or I'll look into. And if I have to record mm-hmm. a little appendix or whatever for this episode, I will gladly do that if I find out some more information. But I've been primarily interested in just going over, like I said, the comic itself. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to go through this kind of, well, in basically order, Hmm. you know, and, you know, just talk about some of the things. So we have, I'm calling it part one, the demarcations for different chapters is not quite as clear as I, as other mangas that I've read, I will admit. Hmm. So I don't know exactly how accurate my, you know, like I said, my demarcations are, but what I'm calling part one is basically the origin story. And The first episode of the show actually follows this relatively close, but one of the things that you're gonna notice in this, and I'm pretty sure this was a decision made by South Seas to avoid any confusion, because the subtitles from Factory, if you watch this, if you stream this on Factory TV or Tubi, don't quite do this, but you'll notice that our first monster of the week is called Man Spider. Instead of (laughs) Spider-Man.
0: It's (laughs) Man-Spider. Which is funny
1: because there is a Marvel character named (laughs) Man-Spider. Who does kind of look like this too with
0: the six arms and the mandibles.
1: Yep yep and then what's funny is that it actually in the comic it says uncanny man spider it's like is that a double marvel hmm. reference there because i think south seas will sneak in little things like that to be funny like in the Go goranger manga someone actually says Ay, yeah ay, aye and i'm like i'm pretty sure nobody said that guys <laughs> <laughs> that's not what it was but you t- took a little bit of creative license to give people an easter egg so mm-hmm. i appreciate that <laughs> but the other thing you'll notice in this, it's nice that the first handful of pages are in color. Not most mangas, this is something a lot of American comic readers may not be aware of, but most mangas are not colored. They're black and white. So they have to be. Yeah, and I
0: know up. like a lot of special releases will do like a few colored pages or like as I don't know, maybe a little bonus thing. And mm-hmm. looking at the colored pages, I really wish they could have done the entire book cuz like those first few really sell the psychedelic and like i feel like that's kind of lost once they switch to color you, you still get elements of it but i just think the book would be a lot trippier and more interesting if they could have somehow found a way to colorize the whole book
1: i agree with you although if they had colorized you know because it's almost 900 pages they colorized the whole thing with these glossy pages this would have been like 300 bucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's because man it's i mean a handful of colored pages this thick and it's retailing for about 33 dollars that's i mean that's a lot mm-hmm. for some people but anyway i do like i said i do appreciate the colors that we have here the origin like i said is basically the same just with you know wilder covers like the this last of the color pages when hongo first wakes up from his surgery and he looks like a titan from mm-hmm. on titan for a minute <laughs> it's wild. It is really, really wild. And that also introduces one of the differences from the show and the manga, and that is, which is interesting Common Kamen Rider, interestingly, and that is Hongo has scars that will appear on particularly his face when he gets agitated or is about to transform, which they completely leave out, like I said, in the show. Okay, and
0: I've seen the first episode of Kamen Rider, and I thought they did something with that. Maybe I'm thinking one of the later series or something of at least seeing the scars once.
1: Like I said, it's in Shinkan. Oh, that's probably it then. That that might be it. I'm not, uh, yeah. I don't remember it in Master Rider the first, which is another retelling of the original Kamen Rider. don't remember, but it's been a little while since I've seen it. But the other thing that's different is that if you have seen the show and you're used to how the characters look in the show, you'll be a little surprised by... how they look in the manga, particularly, I thought, with Tachibana. Tachibana looks pretty different.
0: Sorry, remind me which one Tachibana is. Uh,
1: Tachibana is the old man, the mentor. Oh, okay. Yeah, because in the show I can't remember the actor's name unfortunately he's been in basically everything like he's one of the people who's almost completed the you know the infinity gauntlet of tokusatsu and been in everything he's been an ultraman he's been a common (laughs) writer he's I think he was in a Godzilla film I mean he's been in everything but in this Tachibana is is a white-haired old man I white-haired is loose there because he's bald and oh, you, know, you know, the white hair is his mustache and his eyebrows and the, in the show, he still has a full head of hair and no mustache and he is definitely not gray. Hmm.
0: <laughs> he has some big master Roshi vibes in this, uh,
1: <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. At points there, because there are points where he gets kind of silly, mm-hmm. sillier than he ever is in the show. So you have to get used to that. Also, if you're not used to, uh, to old mangas or to Ashino Shinomori's art style, it might take a little bit of getting hmm. used to because his art style is a little, it's 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 horrific at points but it's also kind of caricatured mm. it's a little exaggerated you know like with some of the with some of the character designs some of the characters have say giant noses when everybody else doesn't they're pretty lanky and sometimes they have really large hands or yeah
0: feet. like i some of what i see here reminds me of like what i've seen from old astro boy yes but yes like i love how simplistic his cartoony art style is here because i i I know if i was a kid reading this i'd absolutely be trying to draw a common writer and like it seems very achievable with the way he draws it like i'm i'm not a good artist but i'm pretty confident i could draw this rendition of common writer
1: and just out of curiosity how familiar are you with manga have you read a
0: lot of manga not a ton of manga like i really only started reading manga in the last like three four years whereas i've been reading american comics since i was like 10 but Mm -hmm. i've at least started reading a few series like i'm reading guyver right now Uh, chainsaw Mm -hmm. man like is what sold me on manga it's like oh crap i've been reading the wrong comic medium (laughs) my hero (laughs) academia i'm trying to catch up on so Mm -hmm. i I at least have a little wide smattering from across the okay
1: Okay, I was bringing that up because some stylistic things that I want to mention here at the beginning, just to get it out of the way, is that this is very much done in, I mean, it's older manga. So if you're familiar, more familiar with newer manga, you know, you might, this might take a little bit of getting used to, but one of the trademarks of manga is decompressed storytelling. And this has decompressed storytelling in droves like there's whole sequences in here where it's just basically one action and it spends a whole page of panels just tracking that Hmm. whereas american and british comics tend to be very compressed now they've been moving in the last 20 years they've been moving closer to decompressed storytelling largely because of the manga influence but i was noticing that quite a bit Yeah, like, there's
0: an element of time and size in American comics of, like, if a moment is meant to be longer, it should be a bigger panel, especially, like, emotional beats or, like, big Mm -hmm. two-page spreads where they're not going to show every little action beat, but, like, manga, I mean, is so famous for like a guy falling down can be an entire chapter. I mean, yes, you're getting like flashbacks of like everything Mm -hmm. leading up to this point or like all this inner monologue in the middle of a fight or something. But yeah, I feel like it's more done for cinematic purposes than like Mm -hmm. anything related to time necessarily.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And like I said, this one is primarily focused on the origin and uh, fighting man spider. Which is funny, because in Shin Kamen Rider, they get around all of this by calling them Augs. So it's Spider og and Bat og. Oh. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Which I, I think is, I think that's a perfectly good variation on it. But one of the other things that you'll find out very quickly with this, like I said, is that there was no way that this was going to be adapted exactly because of the budget constraints on the show. Because mm. they have, maybe Subaraya would have been able to do it. Because Subaraya had lots more money than Toei and Common Writer did, or at least than Common Writer. Mm. But you know, because there's spaceships and these big crazy stunts mm. throughout the whole thing, and it's also a heck of a lot more violent. Yeah. <laughs> like i actually have a note here that says wth hongo karate chopped the goon's head off and then i wrote down later okay he just broke his neck but still
0: yeah I, I noticed he like i i don't mind this at all but like hongo doesn't seem to have that big situation like oh i accidentally killed a person i like with great power comes great responsibility he's like no yeah. like he is ready to be a superhero as soon as he gets the powers he transforms yeah. has this big speech about how he was sent by mother nature like he's just had yes. that in his pocket for who knows how long
1: yeah if <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting on that for a little bit yeah like, i'm gonna but kill still all these pre-
0: nazis <laughs>
1: yeah basically i mean he's still broody he's still pretty broody you know he's still carrying the weight of everything like i would have to say like the the hongo portion of this manga which is basically the first half is very much like the first 13 episodes of the show of the show. The first, cause the first 13 episodes are really dark mm-hmm. compared to the rest of it at points. It even gets David Lynchian.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah. I've seen <laughs> footage like of how weird and experimental those were. And like, I like how, like, they find all those creative ways every time they kill goons, they'll like, I don't know, turn into string or like have a different effect each time. <laughs>
1: One was, I swear was a bead necklace that someone just yanked off camera. <laughs> i'm like guys you really thought that way anyway yeah go back and listen to those episodes if you want to hear my reaction to it but so the vestiges of what you might have seen from the show are there the connections to mother nature because that gets brought up a lot that was mostly unused in the show but that's a big difference and shout out to Matt Burkett of Monstrosities vlog, who's doing a documentary on Ultra, on uh, not Ultraman Gaia, Common uh, Writer Gaia, which was this unused idea that Ashina Mori spent years trying to get produced, and it never did. There were versions of it that would get produced. It inspired a lot of Common Writer media, but it never was fully realized as he envisioned it. And this tight connection to mother nature was part of that i
0: think i recall you talking about like a intended sequel that had the secret agent friend becoming a common writer is it that that?
1: was uh, taki yeah that was a later manga from the late 90s early 2000s i i kept getting it wrong i thought it was in this manga it's not Mm. it's later on and that uh and he was i think he's called skull rider because his costume looks like a skull which was an homage to one of Ashino Mori's other superhero characters, yeah, Skullman.
0: Wasn't that like kind of the original take on Common rider Like
1: it's the it's the yeah the progenitor, I would say, of Common rider There's some overlap, you know. There's there's some similarities, not to be confused with the Mega Man boss, I might add. Hmm. <laughs> there's there's a Mega Man boss from Mega Man Four. I'm showing my nerd cred here. Couldn't name Skullman, but yeah. So it's a it's a pretty strong start, I would have I'm to say.
0: Curious. Like at the end of the first chapter and leading into the second, like touching on that violence, Man Spider gets his arms ripped off and he's kicked into the yep. sea. And I noticed you get a lot yep. of like recurring monsters or monsters killed at one point will like kind of tie into something a little later. Mm hmm. The show and did that too. The series isn't more. Okay. The, the show did that, too. I was going to ask if like they just exploded like Power Rangers monsters. No, the they, would ex- or- they would
1: explode, too. But some of them would get rebuilt and brought back. Yeah. It was a common thing. No pun intended.
0: <laughs> now, tell me, does Moray <laughs> Eel Man show
1: up in the show? If I remember correctly, yes. <laughs> it's 98 episodes, and it all blends together like, after a little while. I, I love- Cobra Man, I can tell you, comes back. He was the first one to do mm. it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's like the very beginning of the second one is Moray Eelman is just hanging out in a sea cave and Man Spider falls and he's like, oh, let me help you and saves his life. And we never <laughs> see him again. Is... He's just this very yeah. sweet cyborg. I'm really glad Common Rider doesn't kill. Yeah, yeah.
1: which is funny because there is something like that toward the end of the show. That they do something like that, but with with different kaijin. There's also some other things in this manga that I think actually get adapted later toward the end of the show. Yeah, which I'll get into that when when we get to it. The other thing that's different in here, and I think I think trying to remember if it's revealed in this one or if it's the next one. One thing we get the writer kick in the first chapter, which it took a few episodes of the show before the writer kick showed up. Hmm and the other thing that's different is the transformation they keep the wind thing and there's even like this nice little speech you know i i have it written out you know because when hongo is riding the motorcycle and it's almost like this incantation almost he says oh wind cry and howl raise a maelstrom within me become a storm mother nature your energy is my power <laughs> and he transforms but the thing that's different in here that you never see in the show is he takes the helmet hmm. off he never takes the helmet off in the show and some of the other adaptations like shin kamen rider master rider the first he will take the helmet off it almost seems to imply that if he's not using the wind he actually has to put the suit on in some form or
0: yeah idea. i was really confused about that because the professor that saves him mentions that like the the helmet's hidden in the bike so i thought he's just like really good at changing real quick because Like, Mm -hmm. he never does the henshin pose in the entire manga. No,
1: the the henshin pose is Hayato. Hayato started that. Mm. So that was, I think, around, it was episode 14, because Hongo is in the first 13.
0: I mean, I would imagine, though, by the time they got to the second half of this manga, that, like, yeah, Hayato would have been introduced in the show as well as the henshin pose. So I'm surprised they never Mm -hmm. introduced that as an element
1: hmm well it was done for practical reasons because the Fujioka who who was playing Hongo he was crazy and he actually played common Rider he wore the suit mm. and it would do the stunts and everything and he got hurt yeah. while making the show and he had to leave to go recover so they did a few episodes where they just didn't show Hongo and they focused on the supporting cast and then they brought in Hayato as a replacement well the actor who played Hayato his name escapes me unfortunately unlike Fujioka did not have a motorcycle license, so they couldn't do the wind transformation. So they invented the henshin pose to get around it. And then it just became a staple. And then everything, a lot of other things because of the accident, which is the double riders, the team ups, having secondary riders, those all became tropes of the franchise because Way was trying to make lemonade out of lemons here.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You and know. I kind of wonder if, like, we would have even gotten later writers if it weren't for that. Cause, like, most of Shitaru Ishinomori's other things, like, a Naziman or Kick Hider, like, I thought it was weird. Kick Hider, yeah. These ones just, like, get kind of their one series that's basically common writer with a slightly different twist. And then we never see them again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isshino, you can tell tell looking at Ishinomori's other work that he liked certain tropes a lot. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like almost all of his stuff the vil- the heroes are fighting an evil secret society mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he really loved that concept because they do it in go ranger because they have the black cross army in go ranger which is they're basically shocker <laughs> with slightly different tactics and goals but they're basically shocker and kikaiter you have a, you have an organization called dark and you know it's just really it's- tried on that one <laughs> Yeah, they they really did. Yeah, they really did. But the what's interesting, and I'm just thinking of this because I'm going through the Go Ranger manga again for Power Trip. They much like similar to this, they don't transform, they don't morph. They're basically the first Super Sentai team, mm-hmm. and they don't morph. They actually have to put the suits on, and they're they're basically humans in power armor.
0: I kind of like that. Like I I can't imagine these an issue for a common writer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anyway since you know, we're kind of leading into it already let's go into part two which has man bat again guys there's a dc character named man bat <laughs>
0: <laughs> and again like uh somewhat similar to this guy in design but i mean I, what do you expect from man bat
1: <laughs> from man bat yeah yeah and we also get Basically, B-Woman, is it? <laughs> B-Woman, the the gaudiest of shocker kaijin. My word, <laughs> Tommy. If you ever just want to amuse yourself, go look up a picture of the original B-Woman, and it's just, what the heck? <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? Thankfully, her costume isn't nearly as gaudy, but uh she still has the bee cups
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is she the one that's like let's see I know man bats kind of making vampires I'm trying to remember B woman's involvement she is, I'm trying I'm looking her see, she up was here a B right plot now, to kind so of I've remind kind of myself her.
1: yeah 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 <laughs> the, let's see, let's see I think she's basic she's another shocker kaijin and she's working with man bat helping him you know assisting him in his evil plot to make vampires Yeah, I'm just flipping through, seeing all that. And my gosh, with Man Bat, Shino Mori does not... I mean, the the first 13 episodes of the show delved into some horror aspects, but, man,
0: it's even crazier in this. Okay, I have to just say, I just looked up B-Woman on my phone, and... (laughs) You know how, like, there's always these Turkish knockoffs or, like, other countries will do these weird kind of sexual knockoffs of Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, anything that was big <laughs> in the 70s. Like, she looks like something I would imagine in the Turkish *Common Rider, not <laughs> the actual series.
1: Well, and then what's what's really wacky is *Common Rider Decade brought her back using basically the same costume. They just made it look less gaudy. It still looks kind of gaudy, but they... They tried making it look less gaudy. However, Keta Amemia really reimagined B Woman in Common Writer J.
0: You've told me about that. The, the sexy B woman.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I forget the character's name of that. They did reuse that some footage of that and that suit in Saban's Master Rider. <laughs> and there's a reason why. I, some, one of my friends found a review on Letterboxd for common writer Jay that just the the review simply
0: said, "Honestly, the monsters are hot." <laughs> I mean, as they should be, with the amount of work that uh, Shocker puts into their cyborgs and making them thematic, like you might as well make them <laughs> sexy. <laughs> you might as well, but yeah. So there's a two page spread
1: with Man Bat flying with common rider in his hands you know and that like so he's carrying him in the air like that would have been extremely difficult mm. to do we see him flat out attack victims and bite their necks in true dracula fashion he you know he he goes after women a lot and turns them into vampiric minions it's like this comic does not shy away from from the from the horror Mm-mm. It, it, it's, again, if you're not used to that, you know, especially when you juxtapose it against this kind of caricatured, exaggerated art style, it might
0: be a little bit, well, shocking.
1: No pun intended.
0: Y- 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 <laughs> I, I've noticed here, too, like, while they'll get really horrifying and violent with things, like, they also get pretty goofy with a lot of the action. Like, I swear Common Writer's greatest power is just luck here, because, like... <laughs> Toward the beginning of chapter two, he almost gets killed by uh I think man spider or man bat, and like it's just mm. a random woman falling out of a uh, out of a window, sm- like falling on man spider is the only <laughs> thing that keeps uh, Hongo from dying in the beginning of chapter two.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it just falls right. On. Yeah, she jumps out of the window and falls on him because, <laughs> and it's one of Ruriko's friends too, mm. and there's. You know, like she just dies if I remember, correctly. and then turns like into
0: a boiling puddle of goo. Like again, yep. yeah, yeah. The
1: this comic is kind of harsh.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I mean, Common Rider defeats Man Bat by ripping his wings off, and like oh, I'll take that antidote. From is your that wings.
1: in? Is that in this one or the next one? Oh no! In the in chapter three, you wanna you wanna jump to chapter. Three? Oh yeah, sure. Chapter yeah, two. Chapter two has uh, it's a lot of action. Oh, apparently the virus they use a virus in this because they're trying to make scientific vampires, and apparently the virus is intelligent. Hmm. That was a little weird. <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation wants to talk to you because they did that a little later. A sentient virus. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's what I can. But we get to part three, and oh my gosh, part three gets (laughs) hardcore because Common Writer kills Man Bat with a cross-shaped tombstone, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like a whole like it's like a one-page spread of this and i was not prepared i was not prepared for that it was like this is like
0: hammer horror gothic stuff here and like i I, he seems so pathetic once you kill man bat like because he doesn't have his wings anymore he looks like a little kitty person and this bloody cross just sticking out of his chest it's like i I can't believe i feel bad for man bat but common rider (laughs) you took it too far (laughs) maybe but man
1: just just the hardcore i'm trying to find the the picture of that just to remind myself that because it was it was crazy i'm still seeing all like the chases and things like that oh yeah here it is just man (laughs) this is after this whole sequence where where the common Rider is grabbing onto him while he's flying and they're fighting in the air. And then they crash into you know into a graveyard and you know, he gives him a, a good couple of kicks there. And then he just grabs the
0: tombstone and stabs hmm. him at the chest. I want to highlight in that like pretty cool manga chase scene. Like I, we begin to find that the cyclone motorcycle can just do whatever the story needs it to like they, they even have this little you see it do like a bunny hop over the cemetery fence like it's a sheep yep. jumping <laughs> over the fence <laughs> there's a cute little animation and everything and like there was no ramp there Like i guess this thing just hops
1: yeah yeah if they and then you get to common rider black where it's actually alive and it would it would do stuff mm-hmm. like that Yeah. Uh, And something I want to highlight from uh, chapter three, because after Manbag gets taken up, taken out, that's when we get Cobra man Mm. was even wilder in this than he is in the show, because the comic book medium allows for that. But there's some interesting things in this that I just want to highlight. It's just some cultural and historical stuff because we have some environmental protesters here Mm. and they are actually referencing things that were going on in Japan in the early 70s.
0: Yeah, I noticed that, like, it seems a little weird how they're blaming, like, all of society's ills on Shocker here. But, yeah, in Chapter 3, we find out, like, they're behind pollution and, like, some sketchy capitalism. They're kidnapping children. Like, everything Mm -hmm. wrong with this world is Shocker.
1: Mm -hmm. But there's something that's very specifically Japanese in this, and I'm glad was translated on one of these signs. Because it says, no more Minamata disease. That was actually something that was going on, and it was because of if i remember correct i I could be misremembering it but i know it had to do with some environmental pollution that got out that seeped in from a factory that's infamously seeped into drinking water and it made people incredibly sick like i think it was basically mercury poisoning and it yeah and it was a huge controversy and there's a reason why godzilla versus Hetera is the way that it is because it was touching on some stuff like this in fact I even wrote down in my notes if you go to page two twelve, and you get this montage sequence highlighting pollution. That especially the panel here that has the broken doll. Yeah, Godzilla. Loading sludge, right? Yeah, this is very Godzilla versus Hattera.
0: Yeah, no, they yeah they really don't pull any punches on the imagery there. And I was curious if like okay, so since this is all alluding to real life Japanese events, like. Mm -hmm. Would are there any like political murders of activists like this as well that this is pulling from, or is that just shocker antics? I think that's just shocker.
1: I'd have to do a little bit more research. I just know it was incredibly controversial and there were a lot of protests at this point, some of which did turn violent and police had to get involved and such like that. You know, so it it was a very intense time. However, good news is it did lead to some, government reforms and by the end of the 70s japan was able to curtail most of these like japan was a much cleaner country by the end of the decade
0: hmm yeah that, that's pretty interesting and I'm, i guess now i understand why like so many 70s toku things seem to revolve around pollution
1: yeah they're very environmental and Ashinomori it was it was something that was very important to to mm. Yeah you know,
0: it,
1: was, it was important to a lot of people at the time because it was this very current very important issue at the time and you know I think it's it's handled pretty well here you know it's it's acknowledging current events but it's not reveling in it which I think is very beneficial here Godzilla versus Hetera again has the subtlety of a sledgehammer mm-hmm. but it's so weird and stylistic that I don't one of those rare cases where like, I don't care if you have the subtlety of a sledgehammer. This is just, you're going about it. in such a strange, unique way, but
0: I'm here for it. <laughs> now I did notice with like this chapter is where you start to realize like it's th- this book, isn't just brutal and it's physical violence. Like they really don't pull any punches on who the victims are in this series. Like you know, when it starts focusing on that little kid, whose dad mm-hmm. got murdered by shocker, now he's like off with his friend and now the friend is like getting targeted and the common writer has to drop kick his dog and kill it like
1: i know yeah i wrote that down that that's been a joke on henshin men because there was an early episode of common writer where a dog who i'm not kidding was named dummy gets killed by the monster of the week <laughs> and so we started the hashtag justice for uh, for dummy <laughs> because of that it was just like that's how you want to establish it's a little bit of a cheap trick but it's that's how you want to establish that your villain is truly evil you have them kill the dog (laughs) either you have them kill the dog or kill a child because normally they have plot armor Mm. you know but you kill the dog and suddenly it's like oh no oh no (laughs) but in this one the dog the dog's name is dolly D-A-L-I is how it's translated here. So I guess, like, the artist? Hmm. Salvador Dali? I don't know. But what's funny is the dog does get called a dummy at one point. (laughs) Hmm. I'm like, is that an homage to the show? That's a pretty deep cut if it is. But, you know, regardless,
0: justice for Dali. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I think this is maybe the weirdest of Shocker's plans we see. Like... The cobra man's got like a medusa woman with him that i yes. guess can make dogs go crazy and then like turns things to stone when they die <clears throat> yeah like <laughs> i mean i mentioned that shocker likes to get thematic with things earlier but like they go hard with this like okay snake man yeah we're gonna give you a medusa girlfriend and like mm-hmm. i i don't understand why they had to develop this whole poison to turn people to rock when like when regular poison just like
1: do yeah i mean you would think but you know they're super villains that you know go big or go home that's uh, the super villain way Hmm. you know but uh, cobra man is also pretty intense i'm looking at this panel here because he has cobras for hands (laughs) which they do do in the show but it doesn't look nearly as cool as this and like his whole upper body is a cope is basically a a cobra hood which they do to a certain extent in the show but it's just like the actual actor's head hmm so it's toned down. Again, the comic book medium allows them to be wilder. But like his cobra hands will fly up and bite people in the neck like a vampire. Hmm. <laughs> and inject the poison. It's really, really intense. Like I said. But at the same time, you also have some kind of funny things in here. Like I wrote down the cobra man. Oh, we should mention that all of these kaijin have their own... they Their own branded goons like they're not just the shocker goons mm. like they get their own goons with their own costumes and everything which is kind of funny yeah shocker's
0: got good benefits in this like apparently but no like
1: cobra man has what i call a snake in a box <laughs> which is just kind of funny
0: yeah, not like his villains look like some seventies Batman or sixties Batman villains, like yeah. hardcore. Like these guys be fighting for the Riddler or <laughs> something.
1: Yeah, like it. That's the thing. It's like there are points where you look at the artwork, and it's like this very weird juxtaposition. It's definitely following some, we'll say, con- comic conventions of the time, but it's also going places hmm. that you don't normally see. Expect a comic, especially in this era, to
0: go. Yeah. And like, I think this is that's kind of where the decompression like kind of works to the book's detriment. Like this Cobra Man chapter in particular, I I feel like had a lot of interesting stuff it could have explored, especially toward the end. Like we find out that this Medusa or Queen Medusa is like, you know, his Cobra
1: princess.
0: Oh, Cobra princess. Okay, I thought they called her Medusa in the comic but
1: well, I the I, in my notes I have it written down as Cobra Princess, so yeah, maybe she was referred to by both. I'm but, not sure. Yeah. I'm kind like, of
0: flipping through to find it. The shocker turns her into a cyborg to help Cobra Man because she doesn't want to see him get murdered. She also doesn't want to see him going after Common Rider, because like so far the Kaijin don't have a great track record fighting common writer. And then she creates an explosion that kills Cobra Man. And you're like, oh, I can't live with myself for doing that. And kills herself and she shoots herself in the head (laughs) and common writer has almost no response to that he's like well all right i'll call it a day and like there's no i don't know explanation of like how shocker is corrupting love or like how there's some level of humanity in these shocker cyborgs too which like you know if this was an american comic like stanley would have waxed poetic about it for half a page
1: yeah, it probably would have. I'm trying to find that because I wrote in my notes that Hongo was affected by it, but I, I'm it's it's probably just quiet brooding. I think at this point, mm. yeah, he does a lot of that. Is that yeah, that's because Hongo is very good at that, <laughs> as we have established you know, on the, you know, talking about the TV show. Mm. So, like, I'm trying to see where was that? What page is that on? I'm still trying to find it.
0: Three thirty-seven, three thirty-seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, and like it's not—it's not with a gun in this. It's like she has laser snakes coming out of her head. Laser snakes. She yes, that's right. Zaps I got it herself wrong. in the head with her own laser snakes. Like that's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Core. So
1: it's still a—it's still a headshot. Yeah, and I, I think the impl- I, think th- no it's not an implication. I think she actually says that they're lovers. Mm. I think that's why she became a kaijin as well is because she wanted to stay with her lover so it ends up being kind of a it ends up being a tragic love story to a certain extent but like so they were working for shocker together the the impression that i got was that cobra man was converted by shocker she went along with it too because she wanted to stay with her lover he gets killed by common writer so she says i can't live without you commit suicide and then they die together mm. And then Hongo just kind of stands there like,
0: wow. Yeah. uh, In the comic, like uh, she's like making explosions in a chase scene with Kamen Rider. And it's one of those explosions, I believe, that takes out Cobra Man. Mm -hmm. I I really wish we had just had a page of some kind of processing monologue because like she zaps herself in the head. And then the next panel is just Kamen Rider looking at the scene with a dot, dot, dot coming out as a word bubble. And he's like, yes, what? (laughs)
1: And he, his head is just drooped, and the the implication, which was something that happened a lot in the show, was that this is what Shocker does to people. Mm. Yeah, you because know, there were some kaijin where they played up the idea that these were regular people who were forcibly changed. Mm. And, you know, so they were basically corrupted by Shocker. Some of them willingly went along with it, like they were crazy to begin with. Like there were a few episodes where Shocker broke into prisons and found the worst of the worst prisoners in there. And then brought them to shocker and uh, brought them to their headquarters and made them into kaijin.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, so you had stuff like that. But I think the idea is that because they ended tragically like this, because Cobra, like Cobra Princess, is uh, Medusa, whatever you call it, she's not in the show. This is an addition. Hmm. And Cobra Man was not anywhere close to this sympathetic.
0: Hmm. But uh, I mean, with the tragic ending, that kind of leads into part four, which I. Th- think is my favorite chapter of the book the 13 common writers. The 13 common writers, which this is the part that got
1: adapted toward the end of the TV show because the, and they show up in it's spoiler warning they show up in Shin common writer. <laughs> but there weren't this many. there weren't 13 but what was funny is they called them the shocker writers mm. in the show and they were, color-coordinated like a, like a sentai team. Oh, they had different colored scarves.
0: Oh, that, that that's fashion, baby. That's
1: yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so you know, our two, cause this is when we had, this was a double writer story. It was actually like a multi-episode arc, which the show almost never did. Ooh. And it was like three or I think it was about three or four episodes. And so it was a double writer team up. So you had Hongo and Hayato and they both have the red scarves. And then the other ones would have one of them actually masqueraded as Hongo for an episode. Hmm. Fool people, despite the fact they had a different colored scarf. But then when you look, I think there's six of them. Yeah, there's six of them. And they all have different colors. Like there's a there's I think there's a white, there's a yellow, there's a blue. Yeah. <laughs> You're so you, you just kind of sit there and you look at us it, like they were prepping for super sentai with this weren't they
0: (laughs) i gotta have to raz you for that line a second ago about like how he fooled everyone despite having a different colored scarf like nathan be honest are you living in some world where the scarf is how you tell who's who like is this some kind of face blindness (laughs) or something
1: (laughs) well i'm just saying like that's what happened in the show Mm. didn't fool me i as the audience
0: knew (laughs) but somehow the characters Did not figure this out. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty bold thing for them to be like, wait a minute. You're wearing a different scarf. Are you even Hongo? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyway, so yeah, the 13 writers in this, and we also find out in this chapter, I think it's around this chapter where we find out that. Takeshi has a family fortune and Tachibana is managing it. So I wrote in my notes. So Takeshi is Batman?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tachibana's like been pretty Alfred throughout this whole thing. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he's Batman. Yeah, he's basically
1: Batman. But, and it's interesting. You know, this is the 13 comrades because they're the 12 that are the bad guys. And then you have Hongo. It's always interesting when the number 13 is used. As i think uh, i wrote in my notes because uh, i think this is something that said in the comic I'm trying to see but they said 13 is the number of death i think is what they said in this
0: hmm yeah oh uh, yeah they have know. a <laughs> how they say it they have a whole line about like yeah 13 is the number of death oh and also like we're gonna kill you like they just very yeah basically uh, tacked on there
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They they attack. Yeah, they attack it on they, Oh, yeah. Here it is. Yeah, page three fifty nine. Thirteen is the number of death, and you are the thirteenth common writer.
0: Hmm. In other words, that shall be your fate. Like you know, he was prepping that, said it, and he was like, wait, I might not have made that clear. Uh, we're we're going to kill you. Like the thirteenth. 13- <laughs> this yes. doesn't mean we're going to kill people. You are going to die. Do, do you get that? <laughs> yeah. Do you understand our speech? <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it's in a, there's a, it, there's a, it's a really nice sequence. There's a couple of two page spreads and it's in the rain. Mm. It's at night. It's really atmospheric. It's like kind of a guerrilla yeah. warfare
0: vibe, like throughout the chapter yeah. of him trying to take these on one by one. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. it feels desperate. The whole chapter, like, yeah, you can tell mm-hmm. he's in danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did want to yeah. and... go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, you know, like, you know, 13 in Western culture is considered unlucky. Mm-hmm. And which I found out there's actually a reason for that. And obviously this seems to pervade in some other cultures, variations of it. It's because in a lot of ancient cultures, the number seven was viewed as the number of perfection and the number six, because it's one short of seven was seen as symbolic of imperfection or even evil. Hence why the mark of the beast is Mm. six, 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 and 13 is seven plus six. Huh.
0: Okay, I would have guessed it was something biblical, like with apostles and, I you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. But, rewinding a bit, I noticed starting with this chapter, every chapter going forward, it seems like they just decide Common Writer's origin or more like his side characters and like alter ego's life is whatever they want it to be for the story. Because as Toobay's given this whole this speech of like, Outlining everything about Common Writer and how he's Batman. When we see the the love interest, he's like, "Oh, the boy or she doesn't know the boy's secrets." I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's known he's Common Writer since chapter one. Yeah, it's Mister Identity. Like, you really just want to make Batman all of a sudden and give him a secret yeah, identity. Yeah, when- a little bit. I- yeah, and I have
1: a note here that talks about how the death of Ruriko's father plays out a bit more in this. Mm. Yeah, because that's a big deal in the show. Her father dies in the first episode, and she thinks Hongo did it as Common Writer. So for a few episodes after that, she is anti Common Writer. Mm. She's like, "I'm going to find him because he killed my dad," and then figure and then learns later that that didn't happen. It was Shocker who did it.
0: Yeah, it's very Gwen Stacy.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also write you have a Batman connection. I made that, and then we also have a Dick Tracy connection because because Hongo has a has a smartwatch, like he's Dick Tracy.
0: <laughs> wow! And this cha- they they really just take whatever they want from other comic books here, like
1: <laughs> they really do. That's what you know. She you don't. You know, it's it's what you got to do sometimes, mm. you know. But I uh, this chapter is also noteworthy because we are introduced to Hayato mm. in this. And this introduction is a lot different than the show, because <laughs> in this he's an he's already an agent of Shocker,
0: and you know he's evil because he's wearing sunglasses inside.
1: <laughs> I wear my sunglasses at night. Yeah, <laughs> and so he's already been brainwashed. And Massacre the First adapted this. That's what's noteworthy about that movie is that it sticks closer to the manga than the show does hmm. so in the show they take care of his origin in about five minutes <laughs> not even five minutes it's just like episode 14 starts and they just and it just says hey Hayato was kidnapped by shocker to make a second writer and then hongo saved him before they did the brainwashing and now he's the writer have fun yeah
0: didn't you say that happens all like off panel like in a magazine or something, they released around the same time. Ah, uh, no, they show it, but it's the fastest montage you've ever seen. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's... It, it like they just get it over with as fast as they can, mm-hmm. just to get the new character introduced and and move along. So it's... in this one, it's given a little bit more space to breathe. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's still more work than any other show at the time would have given for a recast. Like, if this were so proper, I'd be like, the part of Takeshi Hongo is now going to be played by, and that'll be it. So, you know, at least yeah. they gave us a five-minute montage.
1: Yeah, well, it's not, and not even five minutes is more like two,
0: but yeah.
1: So we get introduced to Hayato in this, and and Hongo breaks the... For what I, if I'm flipping through looking at it again, I think Hongo breaks the brainwashing by clocking him in the face a few times. Yep. <laughs> so what's the cure for brainwashing fist to face (laughs)
0: yeah hey concussions ruin a lot of things and mind control is one of those yes but again
1: if you're used to the show one of the probably one of the most shocking moments in the entire manga happens in this chapter because hongo fights these we'll call them the you know the shocker writers and he gets full tilt bonnie and collided <laughs> <laughs> they just gun him
0: down <laughs> yeah, he's robocop before robocop yeah he
1: really is that's because he has the limitation of he has to catch the wind on his belt to transform so he's much more vulnerable and i thought okay maybe he's just horribly mangled and his, you know his powers will save him or Something. Uh, no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he dies. <laughs> Thankfully, Hayato's uh, there, and he was like, "Hey, that guy that punched me is a pretty solid dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill all those mm-hmm. other writers to try and yep. save him." Yep, and
1: and and it's revealed that he's also a common writer. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know how often this was getting published. I think it was being published monthly. I think that's what it said. Like, there's an introduction to this that I think said that the. The comic was being published monthly. Could be wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of my Go Ranger manga, but I'd be curious because I'm wondering if Ashino Mori made the decision to bring in Hayato because of what was happening on the show.
0: Hmm. Like I would assume so, uh, especially with like other than having an awesome chapter showing the death of one and the like now takeover of the other. There's not much fanfare about the fact that it's a different writer in the rest of the book. So, like I'm assuming this is just trying to model itself after the show, so kids aren't mm-hmm. seeing Hayato on screen and then reading about Hongo on the book when he's not been in the show for a minute.
1: Mhm. Mhm. But like I said, that was honestly the most shocking part for me reading this. I figured that Hayato would be introduced as the writer. I was not expecting Ashinomori to just kill off Hongo. <laughs>
0: Yeah, what I did find really interesting, and I'm sad that I don't think any of the shows have done this. Like, as Hayato's taking his first ride as the rider at the end of the chapter, we see that Hongo's brain has survived, and they now have like a telepathic link, and everything that Hayato feels, Hongo's brain feels. Like, that's some interesting body horror.
1: Yeah, and that gets explained a little bit more in the next chapter. And spo- again, spoiler warning. Shin Kamen Rider does pay homage to that Mm. in a really weird fashion, (laughs) a really weird fashion. But then we get to part five and much like the show, there's a very noticeable shift in the manga. Once you get to this, Mm. it gets lighter. It gets a little bit more plot of the week monster of the week, more episodic.
0: I wouldn't say it gets any less strange though like
1: no it's still
0: weird yeah part five feels very experimental with like all the weird cult subplots and the flying mm-hmm. stingrays like
1: mm-hmm. yeah. flying stingrays because basically it's hi hayato goes back i think it's his old hometown if i remember yeah. correctly he just goes to visit that and there's weird things going on i wrote in my notes that it's it reminds me a, a little bit it does a get is extreme but it reminds me a little bit of a junji ito story yeah where you know, lots of really weird just horrifying things are happening but it's like the strangest thing you've ever seen and then all of the intrigue and the secrets and the mystery you know and turns out and this there was a character like this in the show but we have a crab man mm-hmm. <laughs> our monster of the week is a crab man
0: that spits suds or soap bu- bubbles or something deadly soap bubbles
1: yeah. <laughs> he's going to scrub you clean <laughs> so clean that you're dead <laughs> <laughs> i actually wrote that crab comes from the Ebera school of fighting mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Ebera is from is from Godzilla versus the sea monster mm. <laughs> So it's a big shrimp. But yeah, and what's funny is that I thought the manta was going to be the monster of the week, and there is a manta monster in the show. Mm. But no, it's not so much the monster of the week as the plot of the week, You know, the swarm of flying
0: mantas. And I don't know if it's the translator that seems to have eels and rays mixed up because they keep referring to them as electric rays and... Mm. i'm not aware of that being a thing among like stingrays and manta rays and stuff maybe i'm wrong but yeah like, i'm pretty sure you're thinking of electric eels like they don't act like they're electric because they're robotic you're like oh they're flying electric eel or electric oh rays.
1: there are i just looked it up there are electric rays oh
0: well then, then don't i look stupid
1: <laughs> yeah there is an electric ray yeah it says they can they uh they can produce an electrical discharge from eight to 220 volts hmm. depending on species
0: yeah like people really can't call pokemon unrealistic anymore like that's this that is the <laughs> thing that's <though. laughs> <laughs>
1: nature makes things uh, it creates things that are weirder than any yeah, Pokemon. electric
0: water types like we, it took us a few generations to get to that so
1: <laughs> which is weird because if you know anything about pokemon then that thing should basically be destroying itself <laughs> if you go by types but i haven't touched pokemon since other than pokemon go since gen 2 so mm-hmm. i'm really
0: out of touch <laughs> yeah, and yeah and i'm i'm more of a digimon girl so i That nature hasn't beat Digimon, where sometimes your dog's a gun and you have to fight God about it.
1: (laughs) That is one of the most wonderful out-of-context things I have ever heard. (laughs) You need to put that on a t-shirt just to get weird looks. (laughs) Sometimes your dog is a gun and you have to fight God about it. And then you like, what the heck are you even talking about? Oh, dig, Digimon. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You <laughs> start a whole conversation with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what's your overall thoughts on our first full-fledged Hayato chapter here?
0: Uh I really like that they have this psychic back and forth between him and Hongo, and I'm really sad that they immediately drop that in future chapters. But like it. Works really well to highlight the differences between the two, and like Hayato Mm -hmm. seems to be a little bit more headstrong and careless.
1: He's quippier. Mm -hmm. He's happier. He's happier than 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 Hongo, which is also true in the show. So the show got lighter
0: Mm -hmm. as well, and probably because Hayato is swimming in women. Like he's got a (laughs) he's got a love (laughs) and He does on the show too. The next chapter. But the funny thing is he one. just ignores all of them. It's like you got all these pretty girls around you and he ignores them. Well, that's just pick up artistry one on one, Nathan. Like you gotta <laughs> neg them, you gotta act like you're not interested, and that makes them more interested. Like Yeah. Eh. Although although,
1: let's be honest, in this flashback, Hayato's a CAD. <laughs> <laughs> and that's putting it politely. Like he basically you know, he accidentally gets a girl to kiss him and then she freaks out.
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sandlot method. Mm.
1: Yeah. Like, what the heck, Mm. (laughs) man? What the heck? Yeah. Because he's he's meeting up with his parents. His dad has a giant nose, which threw me off a little bit. I was like, is that just the art or is is something going on with him? But I think it's just a thing with the art. Yeah.
0: Everyone's so weird to him in that chapter. So, uh, yeah, I thought that this was some like deformity caused by shocker. But Mm -hmm. I'd say that's really the thing that brings it down for me is, like, it's a little bit too surreal for a character that, like, hasn't had a status quo yet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just weird to meet all these characters and be like, but they're acting off. I'm like, well, I don't know that. I haven't seen your origin.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. And then we have some other kind of classic like silver age comic book tropes mm. in this we have sharks with mind control <laughs> pods on their heads because why not
0: exploding <laughs> sharks with mind control <laughs>
1: bombs. and yeah shark bomb like they blow up i'm like
0: exploding mind controlled sharks we couldn't give this you the laser amazing. beam sharks <laughs> we'll blow them up then okay <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and the and uh, hayato uh, oh i forgot here on page 526 there's an anatomical drawing of common rider explaining how all of his powers work and all of the components inside of him yeah
0: i feel like that feel more a place funny. in like a modern anime like a lot of times they'll have infographics before they cut to commercial or cut back like tech on titan does that mm-hmm. and my hero does that mm-hmm. i think i know why they had to just throw this into the middle of it though just so all the kids know like yeah but common rider can breathe underwater cuz he's got an oxygen intake or something
1: yeah, except the way he get the way he survives in this is he he pulls a Jonah, get, get in the belly of a whale.
0: Oh, wait, did, did I suppress that, or do I just gloss over from hearing that story too much in Bible school? <laughs> Escape.
1: Well, that's how he does it. He he gets into the belly of a whale and gets back to the and then he bursts out of it. Ah, that's that's messed <laughs> to, up. To get away from the exploding sharks. <laughs> gosh
0: now that's that's got to be the weirdest team up with common rider and a whale kaijin not the only and time that's going to happen but
1: weird. no and then we got and then we had a tentacle face monster at the end and this is a pretty wild chapter
0: oh yeah they they're lousy with kaijin in this, just and i noticed this going forward until the end of it like they'll just throw multiple monsters the week at him and usually handles it without too much issue
1: yeah here it is yeah the the, the whale thing it starts around page five seventy-eight, and then there's a two-page spread right after that where he's exploding out of the whale.
0: Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, just... oh,
1: oh, no, 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 no. It's a page five eighty-three. The the two-page spread is the underwater is the shocker's
0: underwater base exploding. Yeah, which like. American comics wouldn't do that for another fifty years, till the boys season two eventually got to it. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then the chapter ends with a dead whale floating up to the surface, and Hayato bursts out of its stomach, crawls out, and the last panel of the chapter is Hayato standing triumphant on the on this dead whale while the sun starts breaking through the clouds.
0: F you, Aquaman. <laughs>
1: it was just that was wild when i saw that like man there's no way they could have done that in the show that would have been extremely difficult to do the
0: whale cruelty is just out of nowhere too like we haven't seen him dealing with whales at all and then as he's escaping the self-destruct laboratory like there's just i guess a little pool full of whales that are conveniently kind of bomb proof well their insides are bomb proof
1: their insides are bomb-proof, but they are not com- uh, writer punch-proof. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just imagining like he's
1: hiding in there, and he goes, writer punch, and it just bursts right through. <laughs> just when I think I've seen everything, I see a superhero
0: a, a cheat death by riding in the belly of a whale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, they've been, t- tale of soul this time, literally. Like That one is in the Bible. <laughs> yeah (laughs) swallowed by a whale although in in jonah's case he was literally vomited Mm -hmm. onto the beach he's like (laughs) yeah i I wish there was more punching involved in that story but we don't know (laughs) that he didn't just punch the uvula and that's what got
1: him out that actually that would be really funny (laughs) and then the whale's like nope oh
0: my gosh
1: and then we get to Chapter six world of masks, which if I remember correctly, I think there's, I read someplace I'm going to double check it. I brought this up in my shin common writer episode with Shane from master out the audio drama. Hmm. The, I think this is a title kind of like this. It was is being bandied about as a sequel to shin common writer. I'm going to double check really quick here but yeah but like i said it's called world of masks hmm. let me see potential sequel yeah actually mask masker world is what it says it, it might be a little bit of a weird translation so maybe world of mass might be a better one so it could be an homage to
0: this so this is a sequel to shin common writer
1: yeah that's a potential sequel to Shin Kamen Rider, the title that's being bandied about is Masker World. Hmm. Which maybe World of Masks might be a better translation. Which
0: surprises me since, like, okay, as far as literal masks go, there's not a lot of them in this. Like, really, it's the kids in the beginning wearing Kamen Rider masks, mm-hmm. him himself, and then non-binary icon Mothman is technically <laughs> wearing a couple <laughs> human masks.
1: Yeah, it, when, and it starts... With this, I I think it's supposed to be a, a narrator basically giving a thematic statement, which it's a good way to start off, which is all people wear masks. Beneath that mask lies their true face. That's a, an anonymous way to start your story.
0: <laughs> like that keeps going throughout. Like, I, I think one of the most shocking images in this entire book is when he's fighting someone masquerading as the daughter of like Hinoshita Electronics, I think, and like he grabs at her clothes and rips the entire oh. woman away and you're like you even <laughs> lied about being a woman and then
1: like it's like the, it's like it keeps reminding me of that scene in Austin Powers
0: <laughs> and then he breaks out of the man suit that was underneath that i'm not a man or a woman i'm a moth i'm, just, I'm a moth <laughs>
1: I, yeah, and so so we have that thematic statement. Then we get Common Cannies, as I like to call them, hmm. which they did stuff like this in the show too, where the kids know who Common Writer is and they play Common Writer. And then there's the scene where the the because this it's a sister, older sister, teenage sister who has a you know has a younger brother and she, she catches him watching a TV show he's not supposed to be watching. And I just wrote down I was like, is he watching a soap opera or porn? Hmm. <laughs> Because I'm not entirely sure. I just know he's watching something he shouldn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think he's flipping through the channels, and that's all that's on is like intense soap operas, pornography. I think some violence. And he's like, "All right, just no more TV for you."
1: Yeah, no more, no more TV for you. But then, funny enough, I'm trying to remember where is it? The I don't think it was on the TV, but there's 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 a a coy little Easter egg in this where I think it's later on when we see Hayato you know, dressing, basically dressing like speed racer mm. doing motorcycle stuff or no, no, that's one of the girls, excuse me, but it says tow way motocross. Oh yeah. I saw that. Clever, that's clever cute. comic <laughs> clever.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this chapter again, like gives common writer an entirely new like backdrop. So now he's mm-hmm. got, uh, I forget the name of the kid, but uh, Co yeah Co yeah, Ko, or Koji-kun yeah I guess now he's just pals with a little kid who's dying of leukemia because of Hiroshima radiation
1: yes I actually I made a, a, a very a, an extensive note on this and because what we find out is that his parents survived the bombing and the implication this comic doesn't come out and say this because this was common knowledge No pun intended in japan at the time it was a misnomer it was actually believed that people who survived the atomic bombings would pass down their
0: damaged genes to their children yeah that's how spider-man killed mary jane really yeah the irradiated spider semen that that, that's in a horrible comic i'm not making this up spider-man rain (laughs) why does Marvel hate Spider-Man <laughs> yeah the fans are all saying that right they now.
1: love Spider-Man but they hate Spider-Man I just they make so many stupid decisions with Spider-Man. <laughs> anyway that's a that's a story for another day that's a rant for another day but anyway so it was a misnomer I think it was starting to be disproved at this time if I remember correctly I think yeah I cause I know it was a thing through the 60s so, I think this was around the time where that was being disproven. But I just find it interesting that my interpretation of this is that Ashinomori's touching on that. Mm. Whether he, I don't know if he necessarily subscribed to the idea or not. The, I can't make heads or tails of that based on what we see here. But it does still play on the very Japanese concern about residual radiation. And there's other popular media from Japan that touched on that as well there was some you know a lot of tokusatsu actually touches on it and in some cases it gets them in trouble and the mm-hmm. episode gets banned. Look at you ultra seven
0: <laughs> let's see uh, now I I don't know about this story between like ultra seven got banned for radio one radio episode
1: radio. got banned the there was they had an alien monster of the week that the name i can't remember what its name was but it was dangerously close to a, a term of uh, the word in japanese that was used for atomic bomb survivors hmm. so they tried to tweak it later as the episode got closer to emphasize that it was and it was designed to look a little bit like a radiation victim hmm. they tried emphasis tried changing a super tried to change it later to make it more like no it's a vampire monster but there were some activist groups for they the hibakusha is what they're called you know the, the atomic bomb survivors the activist groups made enough of a stink that after the episode aired supro basically stuffed it into the vault and pretended it didn't <laughs> happen
0: hmm.
1: it's one of a couple of times where something like that actually happened in the history of tokusatsu there were two toho movies that actually got Banned for well one was for similar reasons and one was for other reasons that were sort of related because it dealt with prejudice so but it's wild i
0: did find uh while you're explaining that yeah page 653 straight up says and now the fearsome radioactivity from 20 years ago has given that boy lethal leukemia
1: yes yeah on this big two-page spread with all you know with like i'm guessing a an imaginary mushroom clad in the back with mm. the speech by Hayato. Who's
0: yeah. Basically in you know, the condemning
1: radiation and things like that. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. But on a lighter note, I did like the the funny little line here that's early on in the chapter where someone's, and I always lines like this always make me laugh. You know, like if you're watching a movie and someone says this isn't a movie while well, someone flat out says this ain't
0: no manga for kids. Hmm.
1: I think this comic is self-aware.
0: <laughs> this is clearly a manga for adults. Did you see the way we killed Manbat? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then this chapter is also noteworthy because we meet another popular common writer character, Taki. Yeah, the uh, secret agent. Yep, the secret agent who, in in the show, he's a member of the Japanese branch of the FBI. Which I add to confirms, like, does the FBI actually have a Japanese right? They do. Hmm. (laughs) Still would have made more sense if he was part of Interpol, personally, but whatever on that. Now, their introduction, and his introduction, this is very different than the show. In this, he bumps into Hayato while they're both trying to infiltrate the Shocker base, and then they basically just butt heads and compete over taking out shocker first whereas in the show he's introduced as someone who's also chasing after shocker and also is getting married and then after the, episode 12 when he gets married his wife mysteriously disappears and is never spoken of again he's <laughs> really sensitive travis. about it okay i just i'm just confused there were many points where <laughs> travis and i were cracking jokes about like taki why are you flirting with the writer girls? You're a married man. The show forgot, but apparently the show forgot you're married. And then we started, got to a point where the show would just forget little detail, little details like that, that we started to like, the, oh, like, I think the show has a memory hole and it just throws <laughs> things in there. And it gets forgotten. One of them is Taki's wife.
0: <laughs> I love how when he meets Taki infiltrating Shocker, like he's literally just wearing a coat and a hat and like walking around all sneaky. Like, I don't know how he got this far. I'm not sure I believe he's with the FBI because like their backup is a bunch of kids on motorcycles and not like the entire FBI. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand why they don't have more resources at their disposal, but you know, budget cuts.
1: Yeah, budget cuts. <laughs> that is possible, but it's nice seeing him in here when he's a he's a very he's a big part of the the show. He basically becomes the Robin to both, common writers Batman. Hmm. You yeah. know, yeah. So he's a, he's a cool character. He's a really cool character, and he's. I, I there was a reimagined version of him who appeared in a few episodes of Common Writer Black, also named Taki, hmm. who was a secret agent. And spoiler warning, even though it doesn't look like it,
0: if you, uh, until much later, he is not Shin Common Rider. Hmm. And does he have like some kind of ray gun with him? Like we see he's able to take out the cyborgs with it, but wasn't quite sure if it was just a regular gun that looks cool or if he like has a full on laser.
1: Uh, I'm not sure actually what, pa- uh, what page
0: is that on? Let's see. Well, he takes out the, uh, I think Jaguar man with it on page 670. Okay, 670. Let me oh yeah, and Common Rider says that's some kind of ray gun, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah does he yeah. have that in the show?
1: No. Huh. He 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 typically just karate's things. Ah, yeah. <laughs> jaguar man is is in the show, but he looks really different and he doesn't turn into a literal Jaguar. That's actually more what happens in Common Rider yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But th- we also get introduced to and I would actually like to see this come back in some form. or another. I think this could be interesting, especially in the times in which we live. But we find out that our villain of the uh, our villain in this chapter is Big Machine, which I'm assuming probably sounds a little cooler in Japanese. Although it does make for a nice joke later on because someone calls him Jig Machine.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice job, guys.
1: Nice job, guys. But it's basically an AI, and it's it's kind of doing the, as I'm looking of it here. Yeah, I actually said the uh, Shinomori has a prescient political commentary. The Japanese government is implementing a code system to control people via numbers. And Shocker just took advantage of it. It reminds me a lot of what Hydra was trying to do in the Winter Soldier movie, where they developed the algorithm that could predict If people would be loyal to them or not, and anyone that the algorithm says they will not
0: submit, they go kill them. Hmm. Yeah, and I think in the U.S., it was somewhere around this decade was when we implemented the social security system. And Hmm. I'm wondering if Japan was doing a similar thing at the time, and if this is it all commentary on that.
1: Mm Hmm. I wouldn't surprise me. This is probably something that was becoming more common. No, again, no pun intended mm-hmm. at the time. And you can tell, you can tell Shino Mori is not beyond criticizing
0: the government <laughs> with this. Yeah, And for a guy that seemingly only writes about cyborgs, he seems kind of anti-technology. Like they even give a line towards the end of the chapter of the very idea of using a computer. It's absolutely outrageous. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, time proved Yeah,
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, in his defense, you know, you had some an American author like Ray Bradbury, who famously was distrustful of modern technology. But he was also a fan of writing about fantastical uses of technology hmm. like rockets that could go to Mars and things like that. The tension is certainly there. And I because that's where a lot of science fiction authors, that's where they live. They live in that tension. They're they understand the potential drawbacks and the fears of technology, but they also know that technology can do wondrous things and they'll write about those too. So it's just a unfortunately a place that you have to live in. And I think most people, that's where in real life, that's where they live. Mm-hmm. Technology is wonderful, but it's also scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's the, the the planet right now, more or less. Like Okay, if I don't know if you've seen the new Mission Impossible, but it's like... Oh, Dead Reckoning? Not not quite yet, but I, I do want to see it really bad. It's like the most existentially terrifying movie I've ever seen because, like, the internet just is the bad guy. The internet is self-aware, wow. and they're like, yeah, this thing that can control the news, it can control, like, it can radicalize people, it can turn you against your loved ones, and, like... It's just waiting to do whatever it will. And like, we don't know what to do about it. We're going to call Tom Cruise. He might know something. <laughs> Ethan hunt will save us. Yeah. And like, like watching that, I was kind of shaking in i like, Oh crap. We, we live in that timeline. Now this is, this is now <laughs> like all of this could happen with or without the evil AI.
1: Yeah. Whew. I mean, come on. The Terminator has been warning us about mm. it for 40 years. <laughs> yeah skynet is a coming mm. skynet is a coming but yeah just a couple more quick little notes that I'll bring up for this there's another kind of easter egg where the uh, on page 731 where the old man is reading a shonen jump
0: comic oh yeah I saw that and he's got shonen magazine going on. shonen magazine I'm like
1: okay yeah, that, that's kind of funny mm. <laughs> and it should be noted i should note this there is a sequence in here that because i've heard some people comment on this in terms of shunomori's art style and you know, wondering if it's and basically trying to say it's problematic it's with different things not specifically this but there are some it's around page 720 721 where we see caricatured Native Americans.
0: Right. Out of nowhere too. Like I don't Yeah, think... in
1: this big in this big horse sequence, like this horse stampede that tries to get Taki
0: and Hayao. Oh, yeah. Like I didn't think they were actually there because they said something like, Oh yeah, this is like a cowboy movie, like a massive Indian raid. I'm like And mm-hmm. then you see the caricatures that would be a place mm-hmm. in like old Peter Pan. And it's mm-hmm. yeah like an entirely unnecessary panel
1: yeah yeah because they don't really show up other than that first panel and it's mostly them dealing with the horses like the horse literally one horse literally tries to eat Taki's head oh yeah like bite his head Bites off them. and it just gets a mouthful of helmet which is <laughs> which looks really funny but yeah so it's the horses that they end up dealing with and not these Native Americans and something I will tell you I because I've heard people talk about this and I also heard somebody defend it because I think it was they were speaking of it in terms of one of Shinomori's other well-known creations which is the anime Cyborg 009 and people have said that the characters in that because it's supposed to be people from all over the world and they say they look really caricature the way that he designed the characters and for some people that's problematic but For Ashino Mori, he didn't mean it to be that way. It's just his art style. His intention was to make an international, diverse cast of characters. And he was just trying to visually communicate where they are from as a celebration of the diversity.
0: And I mean, I know this is a long-running issue in anime and manga, but like borderline blackface. Yeah. Uh, So I can certainly see the criticism. Mr. Popo. Oh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Again, we were talking a little bit about common right again about common writer Black Sun with you know, with some stuff that happens later on. I do think the Japanese often will use stuff because they know it's bad or they just find the aesthetics appealing, not realizing the cultural weight that it holds. Mm. Mr. Popo is an example of that. I'm sure Toriyama did not mean it to be racist, he just liked the look of it and wanted to use it for of one of a weird looking character that he had in dragon ball, not realizing the weight of it. If you watch to kind of connect it back to common Rider, there are episodes of the original show where we actually get to see, or at least we think we're seeing the inner circle of shocker and they dress in red robes with pointy masks. Hmm. So basically they look like clan robes, but red. Again, I don't think they realize the the weight that that holds in, in America. They just know, oh, that's associated with evil. So we'll use it for our bad guys.
0: And I mean, their bad guys are also like Nazis more or less. So at least it's fitting there.
1: Yeah, it is fitting there. I mean, they have a they have a general at one point, his uh, Colonel Zoll, who flat out looks like a Nazi. Mm. Like he's wearing a, it. It lo- looks like an SS uniform the entire time. Mm. So they just know it's it's good shorthand for bad guys. And they they have a they, they have a Dr. Shinigami who dresses like Dracula, like straight up dresses like Dracula. Now Americans might look at that and think it's kind of funny, but they're trying to say like, "Oh, no, he's evil, guys. In case you didn't know." <laughs> he dresses like a vampire all
0: right You've gotta be evil <laughs> to be bold enough to try and bring back capes i mean i'm I'm with them on that <laughs> single point but everything else <laughs> yeah, they lose me
1: yeah so i am like i said i'm good i'm bringing it up to acknowledge it i don't think any ill in, there was any ill intentions on ashino mori's part it could have been a little bit of ignorance on his part or just he meant something po- at least with Cyborg Zero Zero Nine. He meant something positive through it. It just sometimes, depending on who you are, the optics don't always work. Mm-hmm. So, just wanted to bring that up. And then, this is the end of it. You know, so it has this really sad ending where Ko- where Koji dies.
0: Yeah, I want to rewind on that. Like we have this big climax in Shockers, like most underground mountain-sized base, and like as Things are wrapping up and the place self-destructs. Like, Common Writer even says, like, oh, no, we forgot to grab a scientist to, to cure his leukemia. And then next page, it's the hospital bed of the dead boy. Yeah.
1: Also, it should be mentioned here, Hongo, I, I we didn't mention it earlier. We were just talking about the voice in his head. But one of the wildest, craziest things that happens in this, I'm surprised I didn't see my note about this, Hongo gets sort of saved. As a brain in a jar,
0: yeah, and now he shows up in like an android body as a Deus Ex Machina yep. in the end, using the common writer luck powers once again. Yeah, and it's like, well, how did you get past the army of horses and get all the way into this base? And didn't Radiohead like, hey, hi I'm coming, I'll help you out, like and there was no mental communication throughout this whole chapter they could have thrown yeah they like dropped there. they dropped the mental communication
1: thing i i think after the chapter five. the chapter where he goes back where Hayoto goes back to his hometown
0: yeah then i don't know I, I think maybe just hongo checked out and was like oh you're hanging out with a dying kid yeah that's too sad i got i'm a, i'm just gonna be braiding a jar for a while
1: <laughs> yeah i i'm gonna yeah i'm busy and then then he, like i said he has an android body and then shows up it's just It, the comic, I I don't know if I want to say it comes off the rails necessarily, but it gets really weird.
0: (laughs) I mean, and this is all in like the last 15 pages or something. Like it's a long chapter, like it's 200 pages or more long that they spend on like this siege of Shocker's base. And then literally, and yeah, like the last 15, 16 pages, all of a sudden Han goes back. They defeat Shocker, they escape Explosion Boy is dead and then Hongo or Hayato gives like the most tasteless line and the series is over in 15 pages mm-hmm. which I I, I want to emphasize that that's how the series goes out like Boy has just died on the previous page the sister's like it's alright he lived his short life to the fullest he could in his own way and Hayato says the sad, the thing that's sad using science the weapon of civilization to fight against the wrong enemies says that to someone mourning their dead little brother and that's the end
1: (laughs) and that's it that's how it ends like the main the main manga ends on that note it is a
0: really weird place to end (laughs) which i mean that makes me wonder i don't know how much of this was coming out monthly because there's no way they just threw 200 pages out there like this i am wondering if they had gotten to the build-up and like maybe in the last chapter or two, they're like oh you're only going to give us 15 more pages well we got some stuff to cram in there then let's let's go time yeah and then
1: what's funny is i got to that point i was like wait that's it and there's still like 40 50 pages left and then you go through and it's a you know, it's i don't unfortunately i don't have notes on this but it's a collection of illustrations. It's basically bonus material. So there's some collection of illustrations. There's what's called Common Rider Disneyland edition. Mm. Like, wait, what? Common Rider was in Disneyland? Probably, it's probably Disneyland Tokyo. I'm guessing, you know. And, and it's just some illustrations yeah. with the character promoting some stuff. There are some. Short stories in the
0: back, like very many comics that seem like condensed versions of what you've already read. And it's usually just like two to five pages of here's a monster, common writer punches it, now it's dead.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, some of these monsters I can't tell you, like Ray King and Slugzilla (laughs) for real, that's what they called him. Because the name it he has this, I think it's it's basically like Slugra Mm. essentially in Japanese. He has a suffix in his name that is actually translated as Zilla for Godzilla. So Ray King, Slugzilla, they actually do appear in the show, hmm. you know, so, but they're just a couple of pages. It's basically, you know, just common writer. I'm not sure which one it is, but he, he just fights the villains and wins in a couple of pages. They do another one later on here, which is, uh, what is this? The fun kindergarten edition where he fights man spider again. You know, the art style is similar, but it's a little bit different as well. But it's like you said, it's really just kind of condensed version of what you've already read. Man Bat comes back and does a lot of the same stuff.
0: There's maybe like a little bit more of a moral, or like sometimes the Rider writer will just address the audience. Like one of them, he pops out of a TV and tells kids like, "Hey, don't stay up too late watching TV." <laughs> out of nowhere, like it's not related to the rest of the chapter, and he just kills a monster by making its horns too big. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's a joke there. <laughs> Cobra Man show I, well, I think it's Cobra Yeah, he shows up a little bit here. There's one that actually says, Common writer, watch Saturday nights at seven p- at 7 30 p.m. You know?
0: Which I like, at least and
1: it, and it has a bowl monster.
0: Which I I what I do like about the bonus material is it does kind of cue the reader into like culturally how big of a deal this show was when it came out and like yeah mm-hmm. seeing a disneyland promo and all these tv ads like okay yeah this seems like it was pretty big mm-hmm. i really would have loved to have more of a foreword or an afterword in this book to kind of explain one why it yes. ends so quickly and weirdly and two maybe just like talks more about like the influence of this series just on mm-hmm. like culture in general mm-hmm
1: as I can tell you the the Go Ranger manga from 7 Seas did that. Mm-hmm. There was a little introduction for it. And there was a glossary in the back that explained some of the cultural references.
0: And I know that one's not pushing 900 pages like this one, so like No, that
1: one it's about it's about half as long. You know, it's about 450.
0: Yeah, maybe they would have thought like okay, this book can't physically contain much more without falling apart. So got to cut one Possibly
1: can. because yeah, this is, you know, this is you're, this is a brandon sanderson novel right yeah. here you know this is lord of the rings or w- war and peace mm-hmm. you know this is thick
0: <laughs> okay. yeah just like common writer uh himself i'm gonna be using this book to kill spiders from now on yeah
1: i like listening to the to the podcast writing excuses and brandon brandon sanderson the fantasy author is in that and he's known for writing novels that are Mm -hmm. this thick. And his friends always joke about how whenever he publishes a new fantasy novel, they call it a Chihuahua killer. (laughs) (laughs) You like throw the book at a small dog and it's not going to kill it (laughs) because this, yeah, this thing's hefty. So we really breeze through that pretty fast. So Tommy, what are your overall thoughts on the manga? having not seen much of the original show. Yeah.
0: So this is my first time reading a manga this old, and it did really make me appreciate classic manga over classic comics to an extent, because, like, I was able to read 50 pages of this in 15 minutes just because of how fast-paced it is and how action-heavy, whereas an American comic from that time, from, like, Stan Lee or Chris Claremont, that amount of pages would have taken me a good hour at least just from, like, the excessive... Mm -hmm text so like
1: Mm -hmm. they're very dense by comparison yeah
0: like while i think the series has like a tragically weak ending i think a lot of it like is really strong it's a pretty fun easy read and i like to think that like if jack kirby or steve ditko had not had to cater to a writer that was like just plastering text over otherwise great artwork that american comics could have been more like this but Mm -hmm. yeah so i'll just say Classic manga holds up way better than uh, classic comic books from equivalent time periods. I think this is a pretty great introduction to like the classic common writer. Like if you're not wanting to track down and watch old 70s TV, I feel like this is a little bit more accessible and palatable to like an audience that maybe isn't as accustomed to how weird Toku, especially 70s Toku, can get. Oh
1: yeah, 70's Toku is wild, but this comic is really, is even wilder at points. Mm. I, I think our discussion of this, for the people listening, is like, I hope you understand just how crazy this comic gets at points.
0: Because
1: yes. <laughs> this, this, this comic is a wild ride. I agree with you there. I And I also think that it's also, I think, a nice introduction to manga. Because manga is a little bit different than... Western comics, we'll say, you know, American and British mm-hmm. comics. Amer- comic books are an American invention, but like a lot of things, once the the medium got to Japan, they took it in some really wild different directions that then ended up influencing American comics. You know, with especially with the decompression. So, you know, I, for, I the analogy that I like to use with Ashino Mori is that we'll say that. Tazuka, Osamu Tazuka who created Astro Boy. He's basically the Stan Lee of manga because mm. he's like the you know the grandfather you know the godfather of all of it. Even anime to a certain extent cuz anime got started because of comics. Mm. And I would say Ashino Mori is like a Jack Kirby.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: By equivalent. He has because he has a very robust pro- a very robust art style and it was very prolific in what he did and unlike you know, it was something that's also really different for mangaka that's what they call manga creators but in american comics you'll have a separate writer and artist typically not always the case there's some exceptions to that but in most cases a manga creator is both drawing and writing it now again there's also exceptions to that like death note had a separate artist and writer but still so shinomori is doing basically everything
0: yes yeah. and i love how like his visual style clearly has like pervaded all of japanese superhero media like with the exception mm-hmm. of i guess like magical girls pretty much any transforming superhero looks something akin to the original kamen rider or super sentai like much more than they might mm-hmm. Ultraman. and even then mm-hmm. with magical girls like where they get the henshin pose from common rider
1: from kamen rider yeah Ultraman had a pose, but I think they kind of stumbled into that. (laughs) It was just to maintain continuity between what the actor, the face actor did. And then when they switched to the suit, Hmm. because he would hold up the transformation device and a fist and then he would then trigger it. And then it was supposed to be, he transforms, it gets bigger. So then the Ultraman always finishes the transformation with his fist up like this, you know? Hmm. And so that one, they just kind of stumbled into it, but this is done very intentionally.
0: Yeah, that pose, I only in the last year realized that, like, that's Ultraman getting bigger when it's, like, viewing his fist coming at the screen. I always thought he was, like, flying at the viewer or something. And-
1: there are times where that happens. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I've watched a lot of Ultraman, and there are yeah. points where that happens. I mean, SSS Gridman, I think that's more what's happening mm-hmm. in that one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but that was made by Suburaya. yeah Yeah, it's based on a tokusatsu show from the 90s that was also made by super uh, heavy ultraman influences but then again you look at a lot of what toei has done and uh, you can tell that they made writer and super sentai and even the stuff they made that wasn't those is still very similar mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you
1: know and like we said Shinomori mori created so much he contributed so much to both manga and anime and tokusatsu because he made cyborg 09 common writer Super Sentai with Go Ranger, Kakiter. He, he did. He did so much. You know, Toway owes a lot to Ashinomori, which might explain why they actually let Ashinomori direct an episode of the Common Writer Show. <laughs> he did episode eighty-five, and it's actually one of the most visually interesting episodes of the of the whole show.
0: I know Common Writer is often credited as like the originator of the monster of the week formula, at least like the version of it with having a bigger monster and a bunch of henchmen and, you know, Mm -hmm. blow it up at the end of the episode. I'm wondering how much of that could more be attributed to 60s Batman, because I feel like the Mm -hmm. Adam West Batman series did much the same, at least with having a bunch of mooks Mm -hmm. and then like one villain of the week. I mean, Mm they never blew them up by the end of the episode and wasn't the same like transformation sequence, but I do feel like this is kind of the culmination of throwing together a lot of the things that like have been cool about Japanese superhero media and American superhero media into one. Mm -hmm. And then like that carried on into the later seasons of Super Sentai once it started incorporating what Mm -hmm. they pulled from like Japanese Spider-Man and other shows. Mm -hmm. So like I I think the real tragedy of American comic readers not really being that exposed to Toku Heroes is... Like we give all this credit to Superman and Batman and the classic Marvel heroes, when we totally miss like how influential Common Writer and Ultraman were on the medium.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. And the 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 Adam West Batman show was popular in Japan when it got imported, mm. which might explain some of it, some of what we got in the seventies with with the toku hero shows because there are points particularly once you get past the first 13 episodes of common Rider, where it often feels like the adam west batman
0: and i mean even what i've seen those first 13 episodes like the visual style feels very reminiscent like the villains almost seem like they're dancing as much as they're fighting and yeah mm-hmm. just that like goofy and experimental it is like that all feels very batman hmm
1: mm-hmm. the thing about the show And I suppose this could also be attributed to the manga as well is that it was made by filmmakers who had a lot of grit and determination and pluck Mm -hmm. because they did not have the money that an Ultraman show had. Mm -hmm. And so they did absolutely everything that they could with what little they had. And they had to earn the budget that they got later because as the show went on and it got more popular, they did get more money. They got a little bit more elaborate and daring with their stunts and their special effects. I mean, like when you get to some of the later episodes, like in, once you get to like episode 90 and the shocker writers show up and then there's the big two part finale, like they are going balls to the wall with it. (laughs) Still doesn't quite have the production value of an ultra series, but still they're going crazy. As crazy as they can.
0: I like that they did get that budget or they earned it. Like I've heard about how much common Rider toys, like the bikes, the masks, the belts, like how much they were selling and how that led to like other shows at the time. But like, that's something that was sadly missing in America. Like what would power Mm -hmm. Rangers be today? If they'd put a fraction of the billions they were making on toys into the shows and or the actors, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that's one of my favorite thing about, like doing my podcast and being on here and like learning more about tokusatsu is just finding out how much more this was defined by people that were actually masters of the craft, like the special effects artist behind Godzilla, or I mean like the actual writer and artist of Kamen Rider. Like it seems like people are getting the credit that's due a lot more. And it's people that are actually talented and not just like some capitalist, some like sketchy, billionaire that's like getting all the profit and credit for all this
1: right right so like I said sum it all up it's a great read I highly recommend it it's a great companion to the show but it can also be a standalone Mm -hmm. you know if you just want to read the manga and not have to watch the show you can go ahead and do that although it is interesting seeing how the show adapted some things in this because the show does things the manga
0: doesn't do, but the manga gets to go places. (laughs) Would you want to leave off on any kind of like smattering of episodes you'd suggest someone watch after or while? Oh, after reading this?
1: Yeah, I would definitely watch those first 13, because it's totally the most similar. And then I would say you get to around like episode 90 or so when the Shocker writers show up, because they, they factor into this first probably say the first few episodes where hayato shows up the team up episodes would be good as well and i would also it doesn't factor in quite as much but if you want i will say this the show has a has a better ending than this manga (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to see the better ending watch 97 and 98 of the show Hmm. because it actually has
0: an ending (laughs) gotcha yeah thank you for having me on though for to talk about the book i yeah, I've been plucking away at this for over a year now, just reading it mm-hmm. among everything else for the podcast. And, yeah, I feel like this is the most appropriate place for uh, me to info dump on this tome <laughs> of comic.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Do you, uh, you want to try doing some Henshin Men Awards for this kind of on the fly?
0: <laughs> sure, yeah, I think I can come up with something.
1: Uh, sure, we'll have to adapt one of them yeah. really quick. But, yes, now time for the patented Henshin Men Awards, which we totally didn't steal from Monsters vs. Men. i swear we didn't (laughs) but we actually did anyway (laughs) so first up we have the henshin kick for the best stunter fight scene which is still applicable to a comic Mm. book now i do have one in mind it's one that i was saving for the awards because i did want to talk about it it's a great example of the decompressed storytelling in this because i'm like there is absolutely no way they could have tried to pull this off they would have tried this now Hmm. but they wouldn't have tried it back in the 70s but it's in chapter two when the man bat is has grabbed hongo and is flying him around and then he just drops him and then there's this epic series of decompressed panels tracking hongo as he's falling and then he, he catches the wind to power himself up and then he flips and flips and flips and then he lands safely, jumps back toward Manbat while the man bat is dive bombing. And then he flip kicks him like he's Guile from street fire <laughs> and then lands on a building. I'm like, Holy crap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was epic. It's, uh, like the epitome of the Rider jump in the comic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rider jump.
0: <laughs> I think as far as best fight scene goes, i probably actually give it to the chase scene like the initial chase scene between hongo and the 13 writers and Mm -hmm. yeah really just pursuing that through like it's a grueling like knockout fight through the rest of that chapter and like i think if you're only gonna read one book or one chapter from this massive book that like kind of gives you the epitome of common writer i'd jump right to the 13 writers after maybe reading the first chapter
1: right right and then next up we have talking toku for the best special effect i think i'll modify that this is the one i i will have to tweak a little mm. bit we'll say best panel or best art mm. so what do you think Best
0: singular panel mm.
1: or just or, or best or a series of art i mean it's sequential art
0: so i mean i think this comes closest to being a special effect as well but i think i will give it to the opening pages like real colorful smattering like Mm -hmm. i feel like it gives you just a taste of the color you're missing from the show and like i know Mm. a lot of toku series from this period like had very psychedelic kind of visuals in their openings Mm -hmm. so i'm just glad that that's not something that's lost completely by reading this in a black and white manga for the most part Mm. Mm.
1: you know i think i'm gonna have to agree with you on that because it really does make the artwork pop it, it, it does kind of make you wish that they had done this for the entire thing, but again, this would have cost three hundred dollars, you know, if they had done that. Although I would say my my runner up would be stabbing Manbat with a cross tombstone because <laughs> yeah, that was
0: pretty metal. Was
1: just that was yeah, it was very metal. <laughs> just, and and it's just like that panel where it's actually happening. So it's like, oh, you kill vampires by staking them, and they don't like crucifixes. How about we? Combine them and crank it to 12. <laughs> that, that was crazy.
0: And I think I actually will give credit to that mushroom cloud panel we mentioned earlier, yeah. that two page spread, just since, like, I think.
1: Yeah, with the monologue. Yeah,
0: showing the writer driving in the literal shadow of a mushroom cloud while mm-hmm. talking about, like, how that event is still affecting his country yeah. and his loved ones. Like, I think that's a pretty poetic image.
1: It is, yeah. That was a very effective one, yeah. And then we have coming at you for the best line. So I did write down some, you know, some lines with this. Some of them were profound. Some, some of them were just B A superhero lines, you know, Hmm. you know stuff like, you know, and this mask is the only thing to hide them, to hide my scars and hide my soul. You know, and I mentioned the ink, basically incantation that Hongo does when he summons the wind to transform. You know, and then like actual writer's first line in this, he says, "I am a champion of justice, sent by Mother Nature. I am common writer." But you know, like, so there's a lot to pick from. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna give it to Doctor Kawa so Ruriko's dad, in the first chapter, where he says, in reference to shocker mind, you know, brainwashing people, he says, "A world of people with no will of their own is a world of the dead." Hmm. I think that's, it's very profound. It's a good thematic statement. And it also illustrates what Shocker is trying to do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I would agree uh, with the... Let's see, it's on page 284 that he gives the speech about how the common Rider mask is his true face and his face mm-hmm. is Hongo, is the false one. Like, that feels very mm-hmm. Batman or, like, Spider-Man to some extent. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, as far as Uh, a one-liner goofy one like the one i mentioned earlier of the very idea of using a computer it's absolutely outrageous
1: (laughs) this does have some silver age melodrama in it in case you haven't figured that out (laughs) and
0: i know that does kind of capture the feeling of the time like my mom talks about growing up in a pre-personal computer age and like hearing about the idea of a home computer or personal computer like what would you? do with a computer why would you want that in your house <laughs> like yeah and here the computers are taking up like a literal mountain of space so like, yeah yeah
1: yeah out. but now yeah if, but now we can get the same computing power in a game boy yeah
0: like, <laughs> uh, the the big shocker computer at the end is probably about an iphone worth of processing power
1: <laughs> yeah it used to take up an entire room <laughs> And people thought computer back then they thought, Oh, the computers are going to get bigger. But then the smart people like no technology is going to get (laughs) smaller. It'll get smaller and more powerful. (laughs) All right, and then finally we have my favorite award WTH what the head for the craziest moment. There's a lot to pick from (laughs) because it's a wild comic. I would say probably second place would be the punching out of the whale stomach. <laughs> that's my second yeah. place. My first, but my first one, because it was the most shocking thing, no pun intended, that I, you know, for me, when I actually read the comic, then I'm like, oh yeah, I think I saw some, someone post about this twi- on Twitter and I completely forgot about it. And that is Hongo becomes a brain in a jar.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> Cause that's the biggest divergence from the show.
0: I think the first one that I had written down upon my reread of the book is, yeah, it's on 182, and it's that, like, two-page spread of the bike hopping the fence just out of nowhere. Yep. Like That just really <laughs> took me by surprise, like, this all, like, black background, two-page spread of just the goofiest, like, bike hopping over, cow jumping over the moon, like... okay and in the very intense action scene like five pages later he's ripping off man bat's wings (laughs) (laughs) yeah they would do stuff
1: like that sometimes on the show ultraman was dismembering (laughs) monsters quite a bit in the show era (laughs) (laughs) there's one infamous scene that someone actually made a gif of this from ultraman ace where he uses where he does this energy attack that goes at the monster, and then cuts it in half vertically. And then the two pieces just fall open and all the rainbow-colored guts just fall right out of. Like, this is Mortal Kombat yeah, that, stuff that's right here. What the an heck? ultra-mega scene <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there's, there, there's a scene in Ultra 7, which is from 1967, keep in mind, where Ultra 7, one of his weapons is his crest he can use as a blade. It's a mm-hmm. curved blade. And he actually takes it and cuts a monster's carotid artery and then it gushes green blood all over him <laughs> yeah.
0: oh okay it's green blood that makes it okay
1: that's why. yeah you can get away with it because it's green blood so he I mean, was like and it like just gushes at him and covers his whole face <laughs> like, wow hmm. <laughs> what the heck yeah so ultra mega is definitely you know going back to tokusatsu roots because they used to get crazy (laughs) now most of the time the monsters just fall over and explode Hmm. i just watched the newest episode of ultraman blazar before we did this and they're continuing that tradition the monsters fall over and then there's a huge explosion in front of it so they don't have to blow up the suit Hmm. (laughs) okay
0: But, uh, any, but anyway, anything else before we wrap up, Nathan?
1: Nope, the, that's all I've got. So thank you again, Tommy, for joining yeah, joining me on this. I will definitely be catching up with Ultra Mega. Hopefully, the, the oh, excuse me with giant size violence. Ultra Mega is the common. Yeah. Sometimes I get them conflated. <laughs> because I I didn't know about the comic until you introduced me to it. So I, you know, I closely associate them. So I'd love to be on the show again. Just let me know if you, you know, if you've got a good subject and I'd love to have you back on here or, mm-hmm. you know, on another show. Actually, you're gonna be on the Film Vault pretty soon. You know, we got an episode coming up for that.
0: Oh, uh, the-
1: Polkisari, cause you grew up watching Golgaman. Yeah. The American remake.
0: Yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm excited we do- to visit that. Mm-hmm
1: yeah so we'll be doing some more collaborations pretty soon here but in the meantime heroes of the internet thank you for listening to henshin men a tokusatsu appreciation podcast you can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode you can listen to more of travis on the kaiju weekly podcast and i'm also a frequent guest on that show now in its new rebooted form and you can listen to more of me on the monster island foam Fault and our sister podcast and the kaiju rama podcast network the power trip a journey through the power rangers franchise and where can
0: the listeners find you tommy you can find me currently on most podcasting platforms as Giant Sized Violence. I'll give a special plug to a few of my recent episodes. If you're queer and love Toku, check out my recent episode, of It's Morphin Time. It's my very Ranger-inspired coming out story. But you can find us on Twitter as at Ultramegacast or on our Facebook page as just giant-sized violence.
1: Alrighty. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And until next time, be sure to check out our previous episode on Hideaki Anno's Henshin Commentary.
0: But you're not just a break in the wall.